In this recording, this episode, this webinar, we're going to talk about professional services marketing. Okay, so if you are in a professional services organization, and I'll explain um, how we're going to define those in just a moment, then this is definitely for you. Uh, if you're in a product-centric organization, in other words, you develop tangible products and you market those to the world, then this could also be for you too, because there is a very different world out there. And this is the intangible world of services marketing, and particularly when you come to professional services, as I will define them, uh, it all becomes very, very different. And it's a difficult thing to do, which is what we're going to explore as we go through this conversation. If you've got any questions at all, use the uh, the chat facility to um, yeah, basically pose me any challenges of things that um, either you don't understand or that I haven't covered or that you just like a little bit of clarity for. Um, this is kind of really interesting stuff. It's always fascinated me, actually, professional services marketing. And I'll explain why, because there's a there's a certain kind of, I guess, intellectual challenge of doing this, which is over and above the typical kind of definition of marketing, which I think for a lot of people um, is, oh, we do comms, we do social media, oh, yeah, we do a little bit of product development, and yeah, we talk to sales, and we do a bit of internal stuff. Professional services marketing, rather than product marketing, or even just general service marketing, has got a lot of differences and sort of subtle nuances, if you like, that make it a little bit special. Okay, And I think for me, this is why it's been really, really interesting over the years working with professional services firms is because it is this less tangible thing that you're playing with. And this is why for me, it's so interesting and so important to get your head around it, really. And for, for the rest of us who, who you know don't work in those kinds of organizations, it's also really relevant because because there's a lot of points of differentiation here. And as we are marketers, communicators, business owners, you know, trying to forge careers in communications, whatever kind of role that we're facing um, in the world right now, commercially and uh, professionally, it is challenging. And I think differentiation is one of these key words that we've really got to get a grasp on because we need to differentiate. We need to stand out from the crowd, both individually as, as professionals, but also when we're representing brands. And I think this is really, really important and very timely, really, as we come to, you know, a point in the year where, you know, a lot of people are planning, a lot of people are kind of figuring out plans for, for next year. This is really, really pertinent stuff. So let's go on a little bit of a journey here and explore some of these things which um, professional services firms and service firms more generally um, are facing as challenges. So, so let's let's begin with a bit of a definition because I always like as I'm sure you know, to define things at the outset so we can understand really what we're playing with here. So a service marketing organization or brand refers to the act of carrying out an activity for someone in return for appropriate compensation. In other words, you do or provide a service and then you get compensated for it in a way that is appropriate. So it could be financially, but it could be through other value um, returns, if you like, to the organization. Now, service is intangible because it can't be seen, touched or felt. OK, so this is a really, really clear differential here. Service is intangible because it cannot be seen, touched or felt. 
Now, that's really, really important because obviously when we're talking about products and um, more sort of you know generic marketing, it is something that is quite tangible. It's something that we can really sort of understand. And it's, you know, product marketing is very, very different to what we might term service marketing. So services are intangible because they can't be seen, touched or felt. So that in itself, just by definition, poses us with some challenges. And if we are in what we might term a typical professional service firm, so if we are representing a law firm, we're in an accountancy practice, we might be part of an architect's practice, we might be um, in an actuarial uh, organisation, we might be representing surveyors or consultants more generally, then what we are is representing something that's pretty intangible. Okay, so you can't touch it, feel it, sense it, see it, smell it. It tends to be something that is kind of, well, less tangible. And it is something that you can't really get a grasp on. So we're facing here a bit of a challenge. It's that translation of value of what we're offering for this compensation that we're hoping to get back to this customer or this organization or this entity. And we've got to kind of translate as marketers and communicators the value of this intangible thing to an end audience or to a potential client. So typically professional service firms don't refer to themselves as having customers, they have clients. Okay, so this will be again, really, really giving us a clue here about the end audience being part of a relationship and part of a conversation. And that is going to be important as we get a little bit deeper into this. So they're not just customers, they are clients. So we're looking at here relationship building with this kind of intangible offer that we have of providing value so that we can get a return. So already we're starting to find that this is a little bit tricky. So professional services firms typically begin with trying to figure out what is this value that they're going to be offering. And most, I would say, most begin with, okay, well, what is our service? We're a professional services firm. So what is our service? Let's define it. Let's kind of see what we offer. Here's some features of the service that we offer. Now, of course, most of us as potential clients, as prospects or as existing customers or clients, we can get that service down the street, down the road, down the avenue from another very similar looking organization. So this is kind of failing, really, at the first hurdle. And what we'll see is a lot of professional service firms fail to develop a brand and a strategy and a proposition beyond simply being a service provider. Now, this is a problem. This really is a problem because already then firms like that have almost sort of commoditized what they do. And of course, to go beyond that commoditization situation is going to take up some resources. You've got to figure out, well, what else do we offer? What is this kind of added value over and above just the basics of who we are and what we do? So what we're going to do is need to shape up a service around the client's needs, potentially, and then confidently deliver that so that it is above and beyond what everybody else is doing. OK, so we've really got to stretch the boundaries here. And this is one of the fundamental challenges of a professional service company or firm, so law firm, candidacy practice, et cetera. And often it is you know, going to translate in terms of a challenge for any kind of marketer, really. 
But this is where we're starting off from here is how do we differentiate? How do we not be seen as just providing a service that is very copyable, very duplicated, you know, a huge potential to be duplicated by another firm down the road? So this is a, this is going to be a big challenge. And this is really at the heart of strong professional services, marketing strategies. How do we differentiate beyond simply being a service provider like everybody else? But this is often where most firms really start and end. Now, for the purposes of this activity and the fact that this is going to be going out uh, as, a, as a podcast and uh, you know a non-visual medium, I'm not going to mention the two firms that I'm looking at here on screen, but I've done quite a lot of work with law firms over the years, a number of decades of work with, with law firms particularly. And one of the things that I've found is that they fall into two camps. OK, and this really does follow the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. I find that about 80 percent of law firms fall into the camp of this is our service. This is what we do. Here are our lawyers. Right. Are you going to commission us? Are you, are you going to basically ask us to, to represent you? And that's it. It's as dry and as boring and as un, you know, inspiring for the potential client as that. Whereas I would say 20% of law firms are now really, really getting it. And one in particular um, is a firm that um, is um, somebody who I've done a lot of work with over the years. And they've really listened to the idea that actually the law firm in question has a number of very significant people within it. And that's going to be a word that's going to resonate through the rest of this session. People in professional services. So it's not the service because all of the law firms in theory can you know, provide that service. But a differentiator, a key differentiator in professional services is the people. Now, you will find that 80%, I would suggest, of law firms, as an example here, do not go with the people's story. They stick with the tried and tested over many, many, and in some cases, centuries worth of this is the service we can provide you. We're professional. We're not too expensive. Let me work for you. Whereas the more modern law firms are very much saying, well, of course we can do that service, but that's kind of by the by, that's later in the relationship. Let's get to know you first. So here's, here's some of our people. Here's a trusted partner. Here's a trusted um, lawyer. Here's a trusted person. You can have a communication and you can have a conversation with. Let's begin there. Yeah, we can do all these services. Of course we can. We're a law firm, but let's begin with the relationship. And you will find that the law firms who have been doing that over the last probably five to 10 years have gone so far ahead of the others. And you will find that law firms who are in the top you know, league tables in their particular sectors in which they're active, they are all almost without question. I'd say actually in some sectors, completely without question, focusing on client relationships before they talk about services. So forget the services, you know, services are a commodity. Think about the differentiator. And of course, with all of these law firms, the key differentiator is their set of lawyers. You now, it goes without saying that, you know, if you've got some top lawyers within your firm, well, they are a marketable tool. They are a marketable asset that a lot of firms are still missing the point about. So it becomes really interesting once you begin there. So don't begin with the service, even though we're defining this as professional services marketing. 
is not about the service. It is about the professional people behind the service. There's the differentiator. There's the key theme that's going to go through all of this. So the top marketing techniques that we're finding are going through, you know, very, very consistently through professional services firms are specialization. So once you take those people and understand what their specialization is, so it isn't about the firm, it's not about the brand. Of course, that is the overarching message and story when it comes to the marketing and storytelling. But underneath that, that first level of quality, that first level of differentiation is what are the specialisms of our top people and which niches, which niches of the the market, which sectors are they targeting? Which ones are they actually specialists in? So gone are the days of successful firms in professional services being generalists. We just don't see that now. Now, you might argue, well, we've got so many different specialists niching in lots of different target sectors that we can say we're a generalist because we've got specialists in pretty much every sector. Now, of course, then you could argue, well, that is generalizing because, you know, you're covering all bases. But but let's just go back to the pure definition of the words here, just so that we can get some clarity successful professional services firms niche down on particular target sectors and then they align their specialist professionals to serve those sectors. Now, it's not just professionals providing service. Notice the word I use there, specialist professionals in those niche target sectors. And this is the key here, because what we're trying to create here is what we might term visible experts. So these are people within the firm who can kind of rise above the surfaces, rise above the narrative, rise above the the typical kind of branding and marketing and comms and social activity and be visible experts. And I love that phrase. This is a phrase that um, has been used by hingemarketing.com. And I, I picked up on this one a little while back and I thought, this is lovely. It's just a lovely, simple way of defining this. Successful professional services firms use visible experts. And where do they use them? Well, they use them as the kind of almost the Trojan horse in speaking engagements. They use them in LinkedIn as the the visible expert in that sector. So, yeah, the law firm sits behind it or the accountancy practice sits behind it to give that kind of credibility and depth of support and resources But the thing, the person, the entity, the message that's out front is the visible expert. That person, that individual, not generic here, that individual, that named individual who is a specialist in that niche target sector. And they will be creating as we go through this, and and we can probably as marketers support them in this, signature content. Again, a lovely, lovely phrase here, signature content, content that helps to warm up that sector so that, you know, you become a go to firm for that particular service because you've got a specialist who is a visible expert being that go to person. They become the, you know, almost the only person you'd want to go to. They become that one stop shop for expertise and professionalism way over and above the service that is being offered because the client or the prospect will just assume very naturally that, well, if you're the visible expert, if you've been seen at that event, if you're constantly omnipresent on LinkedIn, if you have this wonderful signature content that's high value, well, then clearly you've got the service offering behind it. So it almost goes without saying then that we don't need to be marketing. 
the commodity service when marketing the specialists in their niche target sectors as visible experts. And I love this because this really allows us to double down on where the value is. So we can leave all the competition, those 80% of firms in your sector, if you're in professional services or in any other sector, really this still applies, to fight it all out based on a commodity message or a commodity offering. You know, just let them get on with it. You know, it's kind of really chaotic out there. But as soon as you start cutting through with these visible experts, named individuals who are the professionals, the top, top draw professionals in that particular niche target sector, then what is not to like? There's a clarity of message. There's a clarity of proposition. You can build stories and campaigns around this stuff. And it cuts through the noise. And this is what's key, really doing this. And there is a lot of research behind this. Again, hingemarketing.com, who I um, sort of drew this um, th this little piece of research out from, is that, you know, in terms of recognition and popularity, having a professional firm with a range of different, you know, personalities in this is by far and away going to be the driver of, sustainable marketing really and in terms of lead generation new business and growth okay it is about having personal brands within and as a subset of your firm's brand this is what is important so even if you are one of the big players one of the you know top five in a particular sector in a particular industry it is about having these specialist professionals underpinning that that brand, or if you decide to, cutting in, you're almost, you know, sort of driving this thing forward over and above the actual kind of master brand of the firm. This is what's going to make this thing work. Now, of course, you are, by the very nature of this, giving away a little bit of the kind of ownership of that client relationship. Now, of course, there's a risk here. So you're going to have to treat these people really well, because these are people who have you know, built these relationships. They've got this credibility and standing, and clearly you don't want them to go off to another firm. So it is all about really nurturing that relationship with them, helping them to see the value they're bringing to the firm, but also giving value back to them, because they become a huge hugely valuable asset for the organization, you know, not just today, but also going forward. So we are looking here at differentiation. This is, again, a key word that I've been using a number of times already in here. So personal involvement in cases or projects by high level professionals is absolutely key. You know, the client wants to see personal involvement, because if you've bought into a particular firm, because you've Look at you've been watching this signature content. You've engaged with them on LinkedIn. You've seen them at this particular event. You know you you know they're the specialist. You don't want them just to be the marketing hook. So actually, getting personally involved in a a case or in a project is a really important thing. So these people need to be visible as part of the service. Okay, so it isn't just using them as a marketing hook, if you like. They have to be underpinning the service, then the offering, the actual customer or client journey beyond that marketing hook, because otherwise there could be a huge amount of, of a kind of almost let down feeling in the client's mind if they're not seen as a sort of a, con a continuity, if you like, of experience. So don't just use them as the hook. Make sure they are present at certain key points, certain key milestones in 
that client's journey. It could be at the point of sign up. And particularly if it's a big ticket client, you know, you would want that person involved. And it could be they just check in with the client relationship now and again. It doesn't have to be day-to-day involvement as such, but just having them there and accessible is really important. Because if we're really, you know, promising at a very, very high level, then we need to make sure the after conversion delivery of the service is also sustained at that very high level. You can't just use this as a, yeah, we got the client, great. Okay, now this professional goes off and tries to secure another one. And then we just drop the client into some low level support in the in the after sort of follow-up. This is all about sustaining this. So as I said earlier, it is all about committing the resources effectively. So easy access to services, on-time completion of work, using you know, state-of-the-art support equipment and communication systems and processes is all really, really important. And these can be differentiators as well. So whilst we've got the person there, this high-level professional kind of being almost this, as I've used the term before, the Trojan horse to get this client in, it is all about carefully choreographing the customer or client's journey through using you know, effective and efficient service delivery using systems and processes, but also really easy to understand reports, presentations and invoices. You know, if you've commissioned a professional services firm and you know they talk their industry jargon, and again, I'll come back to the law firm um, example here, you know, when you're talking to lawyers who are talking their own language, they're not talking your language, come on, we know we can do better here. And so it is all about really staying client-centric and client-focused all the way through. And and also really kind of benchmarking those connections and those points, those touch points in the client's journey and frequently following up with clients to ensure that they're happy as they go. You know, Harvard Business Review did a, a big study on this a number of years ago in professional services, and you go to hbr.com and search this one out, they were saying that one of the key customer satisfaction or client satisfaction, um, (coughs) excuse me, elements actually in the journey was the follow-up, the post sort of um, delivery follow-up of service. Super, super important. And to do this on an ongoing basis, so frequent connection, don't just deliver service, but just check in that everything's okay. And of course, if you can spare the resource that is that top tier professional who has been that kind of, you know, almost the uh, the conversion point, the reason why that person signed up with you rather than the firm down the road, then so much the better. It's really important to kind of remember that that is part of this ongoing client journey. So, yes, using that top tier person, niching down in that target sector as a specialist, but then bringing them through now and again in a carefully choreographed client journey. So we've got a lot of things to figure out here. You know, this isn't something you can just say, yep, there we go. There's our there's our marketing campaign at the front end. You know, our job is done. We're great now, professional services marketers. No, no, the, the journey is just beginning because what we're doing is we're highlighting things here that are opportunities, but this is an ongoing process. So what do we need to be figuring out? Well, there's a number of things that we need to kind of really have high on our agenda, particularly if we're at the planning phase. So if we agree that by using top tier professionals who are coming into our firm or in our firm already, who we're going to use to showcase, you know, the specialisms that we have and build those client relationships, 
there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we need to be thinking about and figuring out behind the scenes. So the one thing, well, the first of, of three things I want to get you thinking about here is how can we offer a tangible, logical flow step by step through the customer or client journey? A tangible, logical flow step by step through the customer or client journey. The key word here is tangible because this is a service. The customer or the client can't pick up the product they've just bought and experience it. They're reliant on us to translate what's going on, probably invisibly in the background, because they're not actually sat with us in the office processing the work that we're doing as a service. So we've got to figure out as marketers and as communicators, how can we offer a tangible, logical flow step by step through the client journey? So keeping the client up to date with what's going on in a language that serves them, that they understand, that makes sense to them, that adds value to give them the confidence that we've got their back, we're, we're covering everything that we said, and maybe a little bit more, and that actually we're providing great value at every single step. And it's kind of building the expectation in their mind that we're with them here all the way through this, and we are not going to let this go until we've delivered what they need. So we've got to figure out how to make that tangible, their perception of the value tangible in their mind. It's a tricky one, but we've got to figure that bit out. And it will be very specific to your individual firm or business. Second question is how to be relevant all of the time. There will be certain points in the client journey. And I mean, maybe particularly after this first project or this first activity has completed, well, they're still a client. It doesn't mean that then suddenly they've disappeared. And you think about how are you marketed to by any professional services firm that you've commissioned or that you've had service from? So if you've you know, bought a property or if you've uh, got a will or if you've um, commissioned an architect to do some design on your property or whatever it happens to be, how do they then communicate with you? How do they follow up afterwards? How do they keep that relationship going? And I would argue that probably in about 95% of cases, you don't hear from them again. They're reliant on you coming back to them almost with this. And I'm going to use the word here as challenging each of these professional services firms with an arrogant assumption that you just will. OK, there I said it. But that's how it comes across from the client's perspective. If you don't be relevant and figure out a way of being relevant all of the time. And that is beyond that end touch point when that project is finished. What are you going to do next to retain the loyalty, to retain the relationship, to just keep in touch at an appropriate pace so that you are relevant whenever they need something like you add in terms of value in the future? So the third point here is how can you avoid being out of sight and out of mind in between service visits, in between delivery of value, in between projects? How can you avoid being out of sight and out of mind? Because your client is busy. We all know because everybody's busy. Everybody's chaotic. Everybody forgets every brand unless you've got them there in your face all of the time. You know, why one of the reasons why Apple is so successful is because you're holding their device in your hand 24-7, pretty much. Many other brands are available, but that was just a little example of a tangible product 
that is so much more straightforward to keep loyalty going because you can drip feed into this product loyalty checkpoints, little hooks that get you to come back time and again to repeat. Social networks, why are you loyal to your favorite social networks? Because they're always there and available. So as a professional services marketer, you've got to figure out point number three, challenge number three, figure out how to avoid being out of sight and out of mind in between service visits or projects. Now, I haven't got the golden nugget. I haven't got the simple single answer. This is all about you being very mindful, I guess, over the client experience and the client journey that you personally and professionally provide to your firm, but also your firm provides to its clients. And there's little subtle nuances in here. Do you know all those check-in points that you're delivering right now? Have you experienced the client journey from their perspective? So you've kind of sat there pretending to be, it's almost like the mystery shopper, but internally. So you've pretended to be a client and you've gone through step by step the actual, and you've got to be super honest with yourself here, the actual experience that you're giving as a firm to your clients. You can't hide behind the, oh yes, but kind of argument. You've got to experience it exactly how they're experiencing it. And when you identify bottlenecks, when you identify gaps, those things are opportunities for improvement. So I think for me, when I talk, and I do talk a lot about customer and client journey, it's one of those things that I find myself every day reflecting on with clients, talking about when I'm teaching, looking out for myself, is it is about spotting the gaps and spotting the bottlenecks. No firm in the world has got the perfect customer or client journey. So every single firm that has ever been has always got an opportunity to improve their customer or client journey. So the savvy marketers are constantly trying to figure out little improvements, not to get to perfection, but just to continually evolve where they are and what they have. And so how can you begin? You know, this sounds like a huge challenge. I mean, Neil, what are you challenging me with here? Well, I would say there are lots and lots and lots of marketing tools that we can use. And traditionally, we've always fallen back on our marketing mix. So the four P's as was, or in service marketing, the seven P's. There are many, many more P's available. I'm going to tell you a few of those in just a moment. But we've always fallen in service marketing and professional services marketing back on the additional three P's. First four P's was product, place, price, promotion. Product, place, price, promotion. But of course, we don't have a product in service. So we have to call that service. And in place, well, we don't actually have a place as such because you can't really necessarily come and shop with us. So it's more about how we distribute our service. How do you engage with our service and where? And price, well, yeah, okay, fine. There is price and you're going to have to pay our fees because we're a professional firm. And the promotion bit, well, we all know that every firm is going to be doing promotion. But the other three elements that have always been in the mix, but again, are beginning to be a little bit commoditized, are process. Every firm can you know, say, well, we're the, the most efficient and we're the most cost effective and we'll do you a great price. Our fees aren't the most, but you're going to get great value. Of course, everybody's saying that we are the most professional, professional services firm. Yeah, yeah, go prove it. So it's about physical evidence. We want to see physical evidence of these claims. And of course, people is one element that we can add into that because the face-to-face -face integration of people into the propositions and the messages and the USPs, the unique selling propositions of the firm, 
can include people. But for me, the really interesting starting places are the new marketing mix. There's another seven over and beyond these first seven. And I'm just going to tell you these and you can figure these out. So just make a note of these additional seven, because I think this is where differentiation is now happening. And it is happening at an increasingly significant rate. I'm just going to go through these. You can find that these are less or greater significance to you and your firm or your business but I'm just going to tell them to you. Purpose, the higher purpose of the firm. Planet, what are you doing to give back? And I really do mean planet here. This isn't just a, hey, we've got a good recycling policy. This is about properly giving back. So being purpose-driven, value-led, and doing the right things for planet. Profit, Actually identifying that, you know, you are doing good stuff. I mean, this is where things like circular economy and circular business comes in. This is all about being really, really authentic and open and true. How do you reinvest some of the profits the firm has? What are kind of the kinds of things that you're investing in? Productivity. Everybody wants to see a firm that is hugely productive. And I don't just mean churning out lots and lots of stuff, but I'm talking about efficiencies here. So this is extending process into productivity. So you get a service that is super efficient, but also it's not resource heavy. So it's doing it in such a way that it's not consuming too much. And then you can make something of that lack of consumption, because what is not to like about a firm that doesn't consume too much? The period as well in here, you know, what kind of period of um, service delivery are you looking to offer here? You know, how long do you want to stick around with this particular client? And if it is a lifetime of value, client lifetime value, CLV, it is one of the key performance indicators of a lot of professional services firms who are super successful. They don't always look for new business. They are about serving existing clients in their database. But you as a firm got to figure out what kind of period of lifetime value are we talking about? A year, 10 years, or an actual lifetime. And if it is an actual lifetime, well, how can we serve through that lifetime? By listening and understanding at different points in that client or customer's lifetime, what they need. Because what you need as a teenager is very different to what you need in your 20s or your 30s or when you're retired or when you're coming to the end of your life. Those needs are very, very different. So what does your customer need right now? And what are they going to need tomorrow? And also, what did they need yesterday that they didn't get? Because backselling comes into this too, not just cross-selling and upselling. Think about backselling. There's an interesting one that a lot of professional services firms miss out on. So I'd like you to be thinking about that one and factoring that one in too. Now, the P is pivoting. It might be that you're not doing actually what the client or the customer really, really needs, but you've got the resources and the assets to be doing something very different. So even a 90 degree pivot into a completely different sector with a whole new range of services could be a key differentiator. And the final P, which I think right here right now is probably possibly got to be in the mix for every single firm is P for prioritization. We cannot, even if we're looking at all of these things as opportunities, we cannot do everything. So figuring out where is the value to us as a firm, but also to the client and then prioritizing where we're seeing the big wins. And by big wins, I mean some of the low hanging fruit. So picking off some of the tactical short term wins at the same time as getting some longer term value. So Gary V often talks about 
you know, micro speed, but macro patience. And I love that phrase. I find myself using this a lot is micro speed. So you're doing a lot of stuff to gain today, but you're being super patient about the macro. In other words, the longer term, bigger picture. And if you can balance those two things in your prioritization, you stand some chance of being able to yeah, sustain this lifetime of value that you're looking to forge with the customer. And then once you've kind of figured out some of those things, and I'm not saying, as I said, you're looking for this 100% perfect plan. You know, I don't think anything like that exists. So we are looking at continual, you know, evolution and improvement here. So little wins, things that you can do to just make those little incremental gains over where you were yesterday, so that tomorrow you're just seeing a little bit more growth or a little bit more improvement, a little bit more profitability, a little bit more efficiency, a little bit more voice, a little bit more reach. So just look at incremental gains. And when you look at kind of where these things are going to come from, just coming back to the practicality of marketing here, because we've kind of set up some strategic things to think about there. When it comes to the tactical, where are you going to see these gains come from? Well, there's a load of research out there, load of research. And a lot of this is very, very um, robust research because it says that there are two kind of areas that you really got to focus on. One is being accessible to search. You've got to be found. So at the front end of the journey, when a potential client is still a potential client, so they are a prospect, it's all about being found. Yes, you can do referral activities. Yes, you can do promotions. Yes, you can be speaking at events and stuff, but actually being found. So being available through search, and we're talking Google and others are available, is the key number one feature to be focusing on at the front end of the journey. You have to be found because if you're not found, it doesn't matter how great your service or offering is or how good your people are got to be accessible. And then deeper into the journey, and I'm talking really deep into the journey where you're looking to move beyond leads in terms of actually creating services that are meaningful for the client. It's all about the CRM. It's all about the data that you hold on existing clients and those who have just become clients. So what data are you capturing of those leads and inquiries who have come through and have become you know, paying clients in your firm? What data are you holding and what can you learn from that data? So to me, tactically, once you've figured out where some of these strategic gains potentially are going to come from and next year's or next month's plans are going to reflect those changes, where do you begin tactically? So for me, it's about being found in search. And then it's also about detailed looking deeply into your customer or client records and looking for patterns, you know, which style of customer persona acts and interacts and engages more with this particular lawyer or this particular architect or particular surveyor, which particular messages that we're putting out there resonate more with this particular customer persona or this particular group. The data is in there. Unless you're in a startup where you're coming from ground zero, the data is there. And if it isn't there, well, then it's all about data strategy and it's all about creating fields in your a customer relationship management system that allow you to capture, interpret, and analyze that information. 
because we have to be working in service marketing from evidence. Yeah, gut feels great, but because we're working in an intangible field, we need to make it more tangible. And that starts with us as marketers. So think about search and think about CRM, because that in many ways is going to be your, you know, your starting point for getting some of these quick wins, if you like. Now, there's a lot of stuff that we've covered in uh, this session. And, um, you know, it's a huge, huge challenge, I think, for any marketer or communicator or business developer or, you know, if you are a partner in a professional services firm listening to this and you think, whoa, that's just too many challenges. Where can I start? Well, there is a whole range of different uh, guides and white papers. One that I would recommend that you have a look at is um, what's called the Ultimate Guide to Marketing for Professional Services, which was created last year and published by ConstantContact.com. And um, it is called the Ultimate Guide to Marketing for Professional Services. Um, now, you can be the judge as to whether it's the ultimate guide, but it is a very, very comprehensive, deeper dive into, if I've whetted your appetite in this session, into some of the nuts and bolts, some of the detail, the granular level activities you can do to start to build the journey, to start to build the strategy and to begin to take those first tactical steps. So if you go to constantcontact.com slash blog, you should find that guide to marketing for professional services. And you will find a lot of the things that I've talked about here will be resonant in, in that uh, guide as well, because it does talk a lot about using the people, those key big ticket people and getting signature content and, you know, those differential points, which are obviously very, very important to really cutting through that noise. So where are we going to end on this? Well, I always end on some top tips um, in terms of things to really focus on from here. So my four top tips for professional services marketing is what's your service USP? Being super clear about your unique service proposition. What is it that differentiates you from everybody else as a brand and or as an individual. And of course, we've talked about right at the start here, we've talked about the importance of the specialists niching and doubling down on target sectors. And maybe that is the clue as to where your USP is because you know these services potentially are commodity items, but your people are not. So number two, who are the people in your marketing? Who are you using right now? Who are those people who, you know, have risen to the service in your firm or in your business? And you think, oh, yes, they'll be great allies. They'll sponsor this approach. So if we're going to redefine how we do marketing, we're going to move away from, you know, just the old same as me, you know, me too kind of service marketing. And we're going to focus on people marketing and marketing in our business. Well, who are those who are going to rise out? And it probably is those who are already active in LinkedIn, for example, those who already have a personal brand and are recognizable. So have those conversations, figure out how willing they would be to be that specialist voice, um, work with them to create some of this signature content. You know, they will become much more profitable and valuable to the firm, and you will find that they're very profitable and valuable to you as a marketing asset. And let's turn them in that way. Let's, let's be open and honest here. They are an asset to you and your marketing. Number three is think about the new seven Ps, purpose, planet, profit, productivity, period, pivoting, and prioritization. Those are the, the new seven Ps where I would suggest, strongly suggest that your differentials will come from. 
The old marketing mix, everybody's doing. The new service marketing mix, well, most people are doing that as well. But these are new seven Ps. There's about 14. I mean, wherever you look, you can probably find a few more. Um, the number doesn't really matter. We're talking semantics there. But what is important is be thinking about some of those key ones that really resonate with your firm. If you're doing great stuff on high values and purpose and planet, figure figure out how you can integrate those in there. If you're all about productivity, if you're all about customer relationship or client relationship for a lifetime, there's the clue as to where you're going to be headed because these are the differentials. And then point four of the top tips is prioritize what you're going to do. Figure out where this most value is going to come from so that you can double down on the short term gains, but also protecting the, your brand in the longer term and then double down on your niches. OK, and maybe select one. And I always you know, give guidance to my clients when I'm talking to them about when they say, well, we've got about five or six different customer personas that we want to target. And I always say, choose one. Figure it out with one first and you can come back and do the same for everybody else later, but figure out the top one and then you can get their client or customer journey absolutely squeaky clean. And then you can come back and do it for persona number two and number three. The same doubling down on your niches. Figure out which is the prioritized one, which is the one that should be your highest priority. Double down on that one. And once you've figured out a process, then you have the template and the, the blueprint, if you like, to be able to then repeat and duplicate. And you can scale up your resources then off the back of that, knowing with confidence that you've got the evidence that this is where to go. So for me, those would be the top four things. USP, figuring out the people, looking at those new seven Ps, prioritizing and then doubling down on your niches. And this is not easy stuff. You know, I began this talk by saying, you know, this is one of the hardest things in marketing because of its intangible nature, because of how competitive it is out there with Me Too marketing that is you know, so well established. But if you can spend the time and you've got the energy to really give this a go, I would suggest there is more opportunity in services and professional service marketing than there is in any product marketing in any sector. This is really exciting stuff. And if you are willing to take the challenge, if you're up for this challenge, you could be one of the most successful marketers on the planet because it's tough, it's hard, but there are some key clues here that will help you to get it right.